Welcome to episode 11 of the Worship is Life podcast, where worship equals relationship and relationship is the purpose of life. I'm your producer, Taylor Marshall, and today's guest is Rich Collinridge, lifelong missionary and pastor. And here is your host, Todd Marshall. Thank you so much, Taylor. I am so excited for our listeners to hear from our special guest today. Yeah, but before uh, before we introduce him, um, we're going to add a little segment today and, and maybe in other episodes going forward. Just want to give little updates uh, with yourself, Taylor, and myself and what's mm-hmm. happening in our lives and in our ministries and uh, something really exciting is happening coming up the end of April, and that is uh, Taylor and I are going to a country in Asia. We decided not to mention the name. Uh, it's a bit of a sensitive country, um, but I've had the opportunity to minister there over the last 10 months via technology mm-hmm. in multiple settings with this community of Christians over there. And um, it's uh, finally come to the point where they, uh, well, they've been inviting us to come. Right. And now it's happening. We have visas in hand yep. and we're going to be on the ground over there for seven days, the end of April and the beginning of May. And um, just going to be ministering in multiple settings, um, multiple ways, feeding children in villages, uh putting on a crusade that could draw up to 2,000 people. And it's just a a really unique opportunity to be able to go into this country. And um, yeah, we're raising more money for a project than Mm -hmm. we've ever raised before. Matter of fact, four times the amount than we've ever raised before. But uh, we've seen the Lord start to provide already, Mm -hmm. and we're really confident in that. Um, But if you are listening to this and you want to be a part of supporting this particular mission, you can, you know, go to our website, worshipislife.org and just market for um, hmm, market for special project, <laughs> market yeah. special project. Yeah. And uh, we will put it towards this particular trip. So super excited about that. Last year, I uh, did a trip, minister trip to Spain with my daughter, Kelsey, mm-hmm. and now going with uh, Taylor to, yeah, really special country, <laughs> really special country. Yeah. I want to say anything about that, Taylor? I'm excited. Um, some, you know, an area I've wanted to, to go to the last year or so, just the Lord's put on my heart to, yeah, be overseas and do some traveling as, you know, I travel full time and do music and just kind of my goal is to let it be a combination of, you know, my life's work of ministry, music, um, worship music, pop music, evangelism, worship, worship is like, how does worship is life look in all those categories? So mm-hmm. it's exciting to, um, be able to do hopefully some music while we're over there. So. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are so thrilled to have this special guest, Rich yes. Collinridge. Rich, welcome to the worship is life podcast. Well, thank you guys. I just share a blessing for me to be on here with you too. And, uh, from the Days I first met you at Smithtown Gospel Tabernacle till now, I just enjoyed our friendship and to watch someone just grow up into a young man and serving the Lord is just a real blessing to me. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we love you. Yeah, and uh, you've already started to talk about uh, how we know each other. And uh, so I was on staff at Smithtown Gospel Tabernacle in uh, New York, Long Island, New York, and um, we were supporting 
you had been supporting you long before I even showed up because you were missionary for, for so long. We'll talk about that. Um, and then you came to uh, be the missions pastor at Smithtown Gospel, you and your wife, Esther. And um, yeah, we just uh, became fast friends right away and had so many years together of great ministry together and great friendship together. And um, and uh, Taylor was, let's see, what year, uh, Rich, what year was it when you came on staff at Smithtown? Uh, we arrived in 2005 and began then, and then wow. we in 2019. So, a number of years, almost 15 years, and that's when I saw Taylor grow up. Just, right. Whoa. Yeah. So he was only so he was only seven <laughs> then when you came. So what wow. are yeah right. what are when you think about uh, the progression? So you would have been with Taylor. Um, from age seven all the way to 10th grade when we left in 2014. Um, yeah, what are some of your recollections of, of watching Taylor grow up? Well, one of the things the guy was so good at uh, that cube thing. What do you call it? <laughs> the Rubik's Cube. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember that uh, you preached one Sunday morning and yeah. you had Taylor get up there and timed him to do a Rubik's Cube thing. That yep. was just fascinating. Uh, plus, you know, your wife uh, just introduced me to piano and my oh, grandkids. Right. To oh, piano. yeah, that's right. And we were over at your house a lot of times just for recitals and just gatherings. So we just really got to know your family well and watched uh, Taylor grow up. Mm-hmm. And we had another special connection, Pastor Rich. Um I grew up with horrible spring allergies, um, <laughs> and I remember finding out that you also had horrible spring allergies, and the Long Island pollen and grass and all that stuff affected us the same, and so we were kind of allergy buddies. We'd talk about <laughs> which allergy medicine we were taking, and well, if you I'll blow your nose you. into a tissue, the dust might go into your eyes, and they might itch more, so you got to be careful the way you blow your nose and all that kind of stuff. Oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness! I don't, I don't like being allergy buddies. And down here in uh, North Carolina, I still get it. I know my month is just activated with these allergies. Yeah. But thanks be to God, it's only a month. So there you go. That's good. Yeah, I haven't got it too hard. Um, but yeah, I still, I still get it in Minnesota. I don't think it's as bad as it was on Long Island for mm-hmm. some reason, but. Um, still exists. I remember being in elementary school and having to sit in the school office during recess because if I was out there for 30 minutes, the rest of my day would literally be miserable. Uh, <laughs> but no. anyways, that's how it goes. Yeah, and Rich, uh, of course, you and I sat in uh, many, many, many staff meetings week after week after week and served together in many different services. And and you were always so involved with our big seasonal productions in um, helping out in overflow rooms and then doing follow-up right. follow-up uh, follow-up lunches with people uh, later on um, and when they would respond to uh, to the gospel message in our productions and um, just a lot of a lot of great times a lot of great times yeah. together it is so true I love my time at Smithtown Gospel Tabernacle mm-hmm. You know, it was a daunting task to move from Africa to Long Island, New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, just the Lord just spoke into my life and said, I've prepared you for this, and this is what you're going to be doing. Mm. So I I did the same way uh, 
Todd. I just enjoyed my time with you guys at our times every week in the pastor's office. They, they were a real building time for my life. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and you already mentioned um, exactly why I wanted to invite you onto this podcast as you talked about just hearing from the Lord and uh, trusting Him and obeying Him and being dependent upon Him. And um, that's what uh, we want to encourage our listeners with in what it's like, the, the possibility, the ability to hear from the Lord, His desire to speak to us and how that impacts the relationships of all the people around us. Um, and uh, before we get into the depths of that, we'll, do, we'll stay connected to that a little bit and just uh, tell us a little bit about your family. Okay. You know, I come from a missionary family. My mom and dad had six kids, so we were eight people that uh, lived in Mexico. So I grew up in Mexico, surrounded mm-hmm. by Spanish, learned Spanish as a kid, and then uh, dad did work on the border while we kids went to elementary school and high school. And uh, so our family was just very missionary-minded. Even my one of my older brothers moved to Uruguay, South America, and uh, so we were involved. The other brothers were involved in church work and supported us as we went. When we went, we moved out to Africa in 1970. So Esther and I and our two girls lived in a very remote area on mm. a campus, close to 200 people. And so that's how we lived. We, and we spent 35 years in Africa with a short interlude in Argentina for three years. Wow. And tell us uh, tell us about your girls, where they are now, and their families. Okay. My older daughter is a, a family therapist in uh, Seattle, Washington area. And she oversees several uh, clinics, like health, mental health clinics. Very involved with that. And my younger daughter is here in North Carolina, along with her husband, Michael. And actually... Esther and I live with them in their house. Wow. We have an apartment off to the side, and we live here. And uh, my son-in-law, Michael, is heavily involved in training missionary pilots, mm-hmm. both fixed wings and uh, helicopter. And Jody is uh, very involved in the training of new missionary candidates. And so missionaries from Wycliffe Bible Translators, from SIL, Summer Institute of Linguistics, from... Mm seed company and from other organizations come through a training program that's about six weeks long uh, getting ready for the mission field what to expect and everything so that's kind of what uh, esther and i plugged into also just uh, even though i'm retired we just are actively involved in the training of these new missionaries yeah that's awesome um and we got to know uh, your daughter Jody and her husband Michael and your grandkids mm-hmm. um, as they would come for missions conventions and then they lived they lived with you on campus at Smithtown Gospel there for how long? It was a year. They had come home from yeah. being overseas for I think 18 years altogether and their kids were just getting ready to go into college so they came here to the States to spend time getting, uh, helping the kids get ready for college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember hanging out lots with them at church and 
productions and even I think they were I think we went to school together for that year so that was fun yeah yeah they did mm-hmm. now since that time uh, that was several three four years ago since that time two of the girls have gotten married that's right yeah so wow that's boy, cool. mm-hmm. life just runs fast <laughs> so rich you grew up in a, a missionary family and I uh, just want to hear the journey of your relationship with God, your recollection of those early times, and um, and as your relationship with God grew in particular, just what it's like for you, uh, how you've learned to hear his voice, um, how you've learned to trust him, how you've learned to depend on him. Um, obviously, you could talk for days of all the stories you have, but uh, just starting from the beginning, um, how did how did that how has that relationship uh, developed and evolved? You know, uh, Todd, a lot of the growing up times in the Lord just comes out of the life of my parents very very mm. well. Mm. Like I was real young when we went to Mexico. They were what we call faith based missionaries. There was no set money that came to them, and as people thought of them or or sent money to them, that's what we lived on. I remember mom putting some food on the table and saying to my dad, Ned, you pray for this food, but you better pray for something else because we don't have anything else in the house. Mm. But never, never did I ever remember going away hungry or not having food in the house as the Lord provided for us. So that was a great inspiration to me and a great teaching time. Also, I was about 12 years old, and I I would go out with my dad to visit villages, and sometimes we'd go in a four-wheel drive SUV. Other times we'd stay in villages and then take horses and go up, mm. up into the mountains and visit villages, and I loved that life. And uh, one day, my dad said to me, okay, Rich, next Sunday you're going to preach here. <laughs> next Sunday. How, old, how would, old were you? I was 12 years old. Oh, what? Man. Yeah. So he he had shown me how to use a strong concordance, and I I oh and he, he he overwatched us. He oversaw us mm-hmm. and required of us kids that we had to have devotions every day. So that was a real important part of my life. In fact, if we came to the breakfast table and he would go around the table, remember there were six of us, and mm-hmm. he'd say, "Did you have your devotions this morning?" <laughs> And you couldn't lie to him, but if you didn't and you said, no, I didn't this morning, Dad, he said, okay, you're dismissed. No breakfast. <laughs> over your devotion. Oh, wow. So it, it, was, it was ingrained in us the importance. Now, sometimes even, you know, when we left that, we would do it or not. But again, <laughs> that influence on me was so great so that mm. devotional time was important. Anyway. So the next uh, next week after he told me I was going to go preaching, I worked hard on my message. I used Strong's Concordance. Mm. On Wednesday, he'd say, come and show me what you got. And I would have to show him, well, this is where I'm going. And he would talk to me about it. It was like a homiletics lesson from a dad. So on Sunday morning at that church, he said, we have a guest speaker with us. He's an international traveler. <laughs> I was only 12 years old. Oh, man. And I stood up to preach, and I preached, and I preached, and wow. I preached, and I preached, and I preached. And Dad says at the end of it, it was probably about four minutes. 
<laughs> but I remember, I remember when he took it from me and gave an altar call, three people came to the front. Wow. This was a meeting, just a small house, mm. about 20 people in it. But three wow. people came up to give their life to Jesus. And when that happened, mm. I said to myself, this is what I'm going to do. Mm. Wow. Mm. So I just, I just knew it. I knew the call of God in my life. So it helped me go through my junior high years, through my high school years. When I was uh, dating Esther, my wife, uh, one of the big questions we had as we were thinking about our life together was, uh, is she willing to go with me to mission field? Yeah. And uh, she said she knew God's call in my life and that when she married me, she knew that we were going to be gone on the mission field. So she said yes. So that was a very, very important, very important thing in my life was to find someone who meshed with my calling too. Yeah. Not that everybody had to be a missionary, but still that was important. Mm -hmm. I just want to, before I ask you more about that, I just want to encourage parents who are listening um, and the piece of the story you just told about um, the impact of how you were raised and the formation that happened in your life because of your parents. And, um, and I know everyone knows this, but it just cannot be overstated, the significance of parents forming their children. Um, whether you're being intentional or not, you are forming your children. You are forming your children right. one way or another. Um, right. And right. just the encouragement I want to give, and I know you would too, for parents and grandparents to be intentional in the raising yeah. of their children and their grandchildren, uh, because the impact is just yeah. And and as parents, as parents too, don't be, don't don't quit that. Mm. job because like as kids grow older or whatever sometimes they make wrong decisions or go a way that isn't the way of the lord but you just keep praying mm. keep, keep seeking the lord and uh the lord is so good and so faithful that's my testimony mm. so um talk to our listeners about specifically the as you were determining where you were going to be going in the mission field and how that process was hearing the Lord about where and when to go. What was a, what, what's it like for you when you're in those big, especially big transitional moments, what's it like for you? How, what, what's God's voice sound like to you? And, and, and tell a little bit about that story when you, you and Esther first went to the mission field. Okay. It's good that you asked me that as far as like, at different times in my life, because it has happened that God speaks into our lives a little bit different each mm, time. Mm, mm -hmm. But in the, in the deal about going to uh, to the mission field, after I finished Bible college, because I knew I had the gift of teaching, I just knew that I was going to be involved in some area of Bible teaching, like whether Bible schools or seminary or whatever. And uh, so the philosophy of Make uh, God makes room for your your abilities, your giftings that mm -hmm. He has placed in you. To me, it's a very very important mm. idea because in the old days, or even still today, God has called people to 
a country. For instance, one older brother named Clifford Johnson, he said, God called me to Liberia, and that's where I'm going, and that's where I'm going to die. Mm. And so when God didn't call me in that way, God said, I have fitted you with these gifts, and there are many open doors. So anyway, mm. we went to, after I finished Bible college, Esther and I, we moved to a, a church to try to get some experience as uh, church workers. And mm-hmm. I served under a wonderful wonderful teacher named Olaf Bakken, and he helped me so much learning stuff about uh, pastoral work, church work, and that kind of thing. So after being there for three years, we just sensed, oh, we need to move on. So it was a sensing. Not, we didn't hear the voice of the Lord, but we just knew our time was finished there. And right at that moment, uh, I got an invitation to go to Liberia, Africa, to help in a Bible institute. Hmm. So the, the pastor who asked us to go do that said, would you go? And I said, no, our hearts are really down towards Latin America because Esther and I both speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. We want to go to Mexico. That's what our hearts were, you know. And uh, so he said, okay, we'll pray about it. In actuality, I didn't pray about it because my heart was set <laughs> for Mexico. Okay. And anyway, a door never opened for us to go to Mexico. Huh. So at, a, at another conference meeting, the same pastor said to me, Rich, why don't you just go out to Africa for three years and then see where you want to go? Well, that three years turned out to be almost 35 years. Oh, so my God. word. Yeah. So anyway, I said to him, okay. We'll go out there for three years because I wanted to teach, and Africa was a good challenge for us and our small family. So we agreed to go out there. Well, Todd, would you believe it? Like two weeks after he asked me to go to Africa and I agreed, I got an invitation to Mexico to start a Bible college. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> I it was not terrible. Know that story. Oh, it man. was terrible because that's where I really wanted to go, but I'd already committed <laughs> wow. to go to so we stayed with our commitment and went to Africa mm-hmm. and uh, that's how that's how we found the the Lord's will for us it was just kind of like wow following our giftings and seeing an opportunity so wow. that was a that was one of the ways that the Lord has spoken to us yeah so so you commit for three years you end up there 35 years so what was uh what was it like with the shifting in your desire? You had this strong desire to go to Mexico. Um, yeah. What what was it like with how your desire shifted to staying three and a half decades in Africa? Yeah. Well, again, the the key thing was the open the openness to my giftings and mm. callings in teaching. That was an important thing. So when we went to Africa, we really fell in love with it. I would say this, that Esther fell in love with it. I still love my idea of going to a Latin American country. But Esther loved Africa. Mm. The people, the Mm. land. We lived way in a remote area. Mm. And it was kind of rough. Like we had our own electricity generator and Mm. we had our own water system. And we had a campus with several hundred people living on it. We had schools for the kids. Mm. So it was a really lovely, active life. Well, in the middle of that wonderful active life in Liberia, Africa, 
a war started, a civil war started, mm. and the people where we lived were involved in the civil war, the tribal people, and they were heavily involved in it. And uh, one morning, early in the morning, I woke up and I turned over to Esther. And Esther normally is a late morning sleeper, but this morning she was looking at me when I turned over to look at her mm. in bed. And I said, Esther, my heart is finished with this place. I think... I think it's time for us to go. Hmm. And she said, me too, Rich. Hmm. Now, this, we, our kids have grown up 10 years in the in, with these friends. And this was really a nice place. Hmm. Well, we called our home church. And in three days or four days, we picked up and left. Wow, Liberia. my word. Wow. I know. We had to fly out of the jungle and then fly out. Well, would you believe it that Probably a week after we left, these rebel armies just invaded the place that we were. Our mm -hmm. African brothers and sisters had to run into the jungle and hide. Wow. A missionary couple who's, who was there, they were terribly, terribly uh, treated and made so afraid. It was a terrible mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. But, but mm -hmm. that, that was a, a wonderful way the Lord led us. It was a clear, just... I didn't hear his voice or anything like that, but I knew this is what we needed to do. And the Lord delivered our family from a terrible time. Wow. So, and yeah, and, and just, uh, I just want to point out again, just another example there um, of the, the mysterious leading of the Lord through, um, through desires and through impressions. Um, yeah, that's and, so. And then the confirmation of that coming in agreement with a husband and wife who are are both uh, you know always listening always looking always ready to respond right that's a great that's a great example a great story um, and we may circle back to some of those stories but um, you know one of the the reasons you've been on my list for this podcast rich is just the um, just the authenticity and sincerity that I observed in your life in loving God and loving others. I mean, it's just, um, you know, there, there's just, there's just never, never, ever any hint of you, um, putting on airs or a show or, or doing it because it's your job. Um, uh, and just your constant um, being at places so that you could be with people and your constant loving of people. Um, are you able to put into words for our listeners how your relationship with God has just translated into your desire and willingness to just to love people and to serve people? Well, again, it goes back to my childhood. We were constantly brought to the Word of God by our parents and the churches that we stayed in. And, uh, the you know, the, the Word of God is just so clear to me that God loves the world. Mm. And... Uh, there's so many ugly things that are happening in the world, and, and it, 
the feeling that I get so much of how God is so grieved. I mean, when you read the story of Noah, it, it, the word grieved is there about God. And and yet God, in our days that we're living, He's so merciful and kind to us, even though there's a lot of junk that's going mm. on. So anyway, I think just being in the Word just gave us or gave us such a a love and and then uh, another thing is um, I I studied the life of Barnabas out of the book of Acts and one of the characteristics of Barnabas was that he was an encourager all the time mm. and uh, so when I read that I said to my wife I said I want to be a Barnabas. I want to be mm -hmm. an encourager. Let words of my mouth and the attitudes of my heart just be that of an encourager mm -hmm. to help people go better. So I think that's been a very helpful mentality, even as I teach Bible to people and on the mission field, I, that part of, of me is just there, but just to encourage and bless and, and help people move ahead. Well, your life is certainly uh, evident in that constantly. Uh, at least that was my years and years of experience with you. And uh, we just want to encourage our listeners. Yeah, thank you. The purpose of life is relationship. And this is how God describes worship in the context of relationship. And it it seems so simple to say and here, and yet the the implementation of it <laughs> is, is always a battle as it's, we push through yeah, our own self-preservation and selfish it desires is. and always laying ourselves down, loving God by loving others, loving God by yeah. serving, serving others. Um, that's great. Um, you know, one of the statements... Uh, so, so the so the word that has described my ministry through the years is the word worship, and I know certain circles that we walk in have a very, um, I guess you you could say small uh, picture of what the word worship uh, can mean, um, and then we have the word that describes what you have lived your life in, which is missions. And uh, it can be easy to think of those as two separate entities or in two separate boxes, but but I see them as one hand in glove. And the way I like to to describe it is that worship translates into missions, and okay. missions is worship. Um, okay. And part of where that uh -huh. comes from is just. You know, when I teach um, about how God does relationship and you, we've been talking about this pattern, we just haven't articulated the pattern in this episode of God's always revealing himself, inviting us to respond. And uh -huh. when we respond, then he calls that relational dynamic worship. And then yeah. when we respond, he responds to us. And all of your stories are are describing this relational this relational pattern. And 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 so missions is just another way of that pattern. Uh, yeah. We are pointing to God, revealing God, um, and God, uh, and inviting people to respond. And then when people respond. 
then that relational relational pattern describes um, how God would describe worship. So any any other thoughts uh, from you when I tie worship and missions together like that? Um, what do you think of when you hear that description? No, I like it. I like it a lot. And, you know, as uh, as we do missions, a lot of times, like in our church at Smithtown, we had we differentiated between what we call foreign missions and home missions. But that was just to grasp uh, where people are. Mm-hmm. In, in essence, the whole thing was missions. The whole thing is missions, whether you do it at home or you do it abroad. And missions ought to be the the evidence of the worship that we, we have towards mm-hmm. God. Because like in a job that people have, uh, they're worshiping the Lord and they're doing missions right there in, in this job. So I just like the connection very, very much, mm-hmm. uh, Todd. Um, so again, I know you could go on and on with stories that would fascinate our listeners about your 35 years in Africa. Um, but is there, can you pull one, a story out of the, out of the hats, uh, that you'd want to share with our listeners from your experiences in Africa? You know what, uh, the best thing I think I can think of as we're thinking about closing here is, uh, you know, we served 35 years in overseas ministry. And then we did spend almost 15 years at Smithtown Gospel Tabernacle mm-hmm. as pastor. So when the 15 years were done in 2019, 2020, I, Esther and I were just reaching an, an age of 70 some years old. And we were just trying to figure out now what's our next step? What, mm. what are we going to do? We knew our time in Mar- in uh, Smithtown was finishing up because we just had that strong voice of the Lord in our inner being again. Rich, we want you to move on. Mm. I want you to move on. But we didn't know what to do. Where are we going to go? What What are we going to do? We've done missions. We've done pastoral work. Okay, what's next? And so when we announced that we were leaving, Again, the pastor, the senior pastor, Gary Zarlingo, says, so where are you going, Rich? Pastor, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have any clear uh, plan. Well, so where are you going to go? I said, well, our next step is we're just going to move down to where our children and grandchildren are. That's what we'll do. Not knowing that that word right there was the open door for the next time in our lives, this time, right now. So that when we moved here to North Carolina, a door opened for me, especially to participate in a mission here called JARS, which prepares young missionary candidates. These are the new generation of Mm. candidates, Mm. Todd. Mm -hmm. I tell you, my heart is so blessed and encouraged. (laughs) Twice and three times a year, we have up to 30, 35 new young people. Wow who are hearing God's call to go into missions. So now I'm able to connect my missions experience Mm. and my pastoral experience in helping these young Mm. people in the new phase of their Mm. lives. So it is so beautiful just to keep trusting the Lord and don't fear he has something open for you and you may not even realize it. Mm. The decisions you make is the direction the Lord is taking you. It's so cool. 
Yeah, and that is so encouraging to hear that young people are responding to uh, God's invitation to reach oh. out. Yeah, and Pastor Rich, I want to share a quick story about your wife. She's just a wonderful person, and um, I don't remember the exact context. I think what it was is I think it was the week that we were moving from Long Island to Minneapolis, and I think I, you know, I think we had spring break or something, or or it was, you know, I was just taking a couple days off because we were packing. And so my mom and I went to Chinese food with your wife, Esther, and, um, and you know, this memory came back to me, but something that she said um, has stuck with me. And I remember, you know, her and my mom just talking for a while, and I was just enjoying being there. And then she kind of looked at me and she said, well, how are you feeling about all this transition? And I remember appreciating that and I remember explaining and how I was working on trusting the Lord, but it was hard to leave everything I knew behind. Right. And, uh-huh. um, and she looked at me and she just said, well, something I've learned is the sooner you figure out it's just you and Jesus, the better it's going to be. <laughs> and so I remember that sticking with me and I was like, man, wow. that was actually really profound. And I was yeah. a young person when I heard that. And that has come to me time and time again through ups and downs, even as a traveling musician and sort of thing. So wow. just love you and your wife. Um, and real quick before we end, we have reached the point in our episode where we bring on our honorary member. And I just did some math here real quick. You are our fourth guest who has already met this person, um, and he's quite excited to talk with you again. So, um, Billy Bob McCall, you're on with Pastor Rich. What? Oh. what? Billy? Pastor Rich? Is yes. It, is it you? <laughs> is it Billy you? Bob, I, I can remember meeting you the first time at a banquet night at Smithtown Gospel Tabernacle. I was so surprised. I oh. I, I was, was gonna, so surprised. I was wow. going to ask you what your favorite memory of our time together was, but uh, <laughs> but 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 keep that hold that thought hold that thought for just a minute because I, I first I just got to ask you something else, you know because as you know as you know as you know I know a thing or two about a thing or two, and I just, I just gotta you know I just want to talk about what I know what I know about uh, um, accents you know because I because you know. I don't know what it is, but people have have told me that I have kind of a unique accent, you know. Uh-huh. But I gotta say, I gotta say, of all the people I've met in all my journeys, Pastor Rich, you <laughs> you have one of the most unique accents I've ever ever heard, and I just love listening to. You. I could listen to you talk. All day long. <laughs> so, so tell me, Pastor Rich, where, what, how, how did this accent come to be? Oh my goodness, Billy Bob! If you if, if you want to hear my accent and I'm not around, ask John Long to imitate me because he's got a good imitation. <laughs> oh yeah, Brother John Long. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh huh. Listen, I don't know. How, some of my accent is from the time I was a kid in Mexico. Then some of my accent is when I was in northern Michigan. Some of my accent is from pidgin English off in Africa. Oh. <laughs> so this, this, it, the, this language that I have or this way of speaking is called an idiolect. But I really think it means 
idiot. No, that's what I think. Oh, I've been, I've been, I've been called that a few times myself, too. Wow. I mean, I just hope the listeners have been enjoying your accent. Because it's well, so, if, if I could say it's so adorable. <laughs> just adorable. So, yeah, so, 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 Pastor Rich, I did, I did want to hear a little bit more. Yeah, what, what's your favorite? I mean, we got to see each other a, a few times over the years there. What, what's, your, what's your favorite memory of, of Billy Bob McCall? Oh, I will tell you, I was sitting at a table, my wife and a group of people at that uh, music banquet, which we celebrated with the, with the church there. And all of a sudden, this, this guy came walking in, and he was dressed differently. He had a, some kind of hat on, big glasses. And I said to my wife, who in the world is that? And then, Billy Bob, when you began speaking, I just, I had, I, it took me a minute to realize, whoa, I think I know this guy. And it was Bob, tell you. <laughs> oh, ma'am. We had some great times together. We had some great times together. Well, it's been so great just listening well, to your stories. Good, good to hear you. Good to hear thank you. you. Wow. Thank you. What, what memories you, you. you bring to my mind. It's I hope we good. get to see each other again someday. I really do. Yeah. I really do. I love you. Tell your lovely wife hello for me and that I love her and I'll miss her. And, you know, you're kind of living down in my neck of the woods in the south. So hopefully, hopefully someday soon we're going to see each oh. other again. Well, I'll tell you that I'm enjoying my life in the South, and the food here is delectable. You must miss it a lot. Miss it? I'm living in it. I'm living in it, my man. I'm living in it. All, <laughs> All right. right. Love you, Pastor Rich. Love okay. you. Thank Thanks, you. Pastor Bye. Rich. That was, that was really special. And tell you what, um, I my favorite Billy Bob McCall stories are ones where people as yourself um, just... just <laughs> Their first impression is trying to figure out who this person is. Like, there's no connection <laughs> to the Marshall family. It's just, who uh, is this guy? And I know, I know there's stories, maybe we'll get to this in the future, where people go a long time with having no no idea at all who that is, which is pretty fun. So, I know. You know. Esther had to tell me, Rich, don't you see who that is? I said, what? <laughs> yeah, he's full of surprises, that guy. That guy is full of surprises. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Um, I know our listeners have been blessed, mm-hmm. challenged, encouraged um, to hear just the great example of your life and, and who you are in a, in a life well lived. So God bless you, Pastor Rich. Mm-hmm. Keep it up um, and hope to see you soon someday. Thank you, Todd and Taylor. It's been a blessing for me to hear you guys. and. The same, I respect you guys in ministry and what you're doing for the Lord. I just, it's wonderful. And I thank the Lord for this time. Well, we love you. Thanks so much. All righty. All right, bye. Take care. Bye-bye. find out more about Worship is Life and to get some resources as well as to donate to our trip coming up, head to worshipislife.org. My name is Rich Collingridge and you're listening to the Worship is Life podcast. <laughs>